When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors winning 118 to 100 and quite thoroughly dominating, truthfully dominating the Sabonis and Brogdon-led Pacers, doing a hell of a job defensively, having just an insane turnout on offense from a couple choice players. And along with all that, Scotty Barnes with the continued excellence of around 16 points per game. The assists finally coming out in a meaningful way in this one. And the Raptors, most importantly, defending as a fantastic unit in this game. And then a little bit of a backseat to that was the continued excellence of certain offensive hubs, who we may not have expected to be offensive hubs this far into the season. But whether it was expected or unexpected, Scotty Barnes is currently here producing at a very, very high level particularly on offense. The defense is, it's there, honestly. And we all knew it was going to be there to some degree. That's why he was drafted. But it's it's there all the way. Now, these are vague terms I'm using, but uh, they feel correct when I say them, I'm sure. And OG Ananobi, after two games to start the season where he struggled, was trying to kind of find, okay, how am I going to succeed in this new role? I have more usage. I have more responsibility has, you know, linked together the three games since in a very, very professional, efficient, good fashion. He has played a fantastic game each time out since and culminated with 25 points, three rebounds, three assists, five steals in this one, and a block. And on top of that, carried the Raptors' offense when it seemed like they had to get a little bit unstuck against what the Pacers were throwing out against them. The ball just started to go to OG, who dominated throughout the post and really set the tone for the Raptors offensively. And then defensively, he was fantastic. Just the ball pressure above the break when he was there, when he was doubling Sabonis, bringing help, even when he was primary on Sabonis, right? If the switch came or something like that, just looked awesome. But we'll get into all of that a little bit later. As for now, yes, the Raptors Reaction Podcast. This is it. You're hearing it. I'm Earl Sampson Folk. And as per usual... To start things off, we're going to do the rapid recap, okay? We're running through it quick. Hit the jazz, sit down on your ass, and let's roll. 
Can't get enough of that OG post-up. A fresh cup of fight milk has him juiced and his post-up ratings got a boost. 16 in the first quarter and the Pacers defenders looking shorter. Scotty steals the second. He's at the Raptors back end call. He's got it all. Slick spins in proximity of the rim. Sabonis is there, but the bonus? He doesn't care. When Sabonis sees multiple Raptors, it spells trouble. In honor of Mario, double, double, double. Red Rover, Red Rover, we call the second man over. Shade above the break, it's too late. Dig downs are coming like the Ides of March. Let transition start. Ball pressure like a submarine, couldn't cheer for another team. Fred's hidden step backs galore. Garden him looks like a chore. Up late and it's great. Take your lover on a date. It's Raptors win. Don't forget to celebrate. Hey, there it is. A little rapid recap for you uh, to the tune of this uh, nice jazz. But okay, let's get into it. What is the most impressive thing about this game? First of all, it was the collective defense played on Demona Sabonis four shot attempts in this game and four turnovers to do that to what is undeniably the hub of the Pacers offense. And Sabonis is no schlub, by the way, this dude is averaging 25, 12 and five coming into this game. It's a pretty absurd stat line and not to mention 63% from the field, 40% from downtown and more assists than turnovers. All of that put together creates a daunting task ahead for the Raptors. It should not be understated how impressive this was as a defensive unit to come together. He came out and absolutely rocked the hell out of the Hornets, who play a very small brand of defense. Not exactly similar to the Raptors, but as far as at the five position, Sabonis' primary matchup, he absolutely ate the Hornets alive. Opening night for the Pacers, that's what he did. And he's been eating guys alive since. So far in his path of destruction, the Raptors are the only team that sits there saying, eh, not so bad, not so tough. And that is because they played together as a team. The routes they took to double him in the post, the guys that they sent to double him in the post, and the countenance for the rest of the guys to move together as a shell to protect against passes that would appear for a split second, but then you lock down that passing lane and you make Sabonis feel like he's on an island and he's surrounded by a bunch of uh, curmudgeonly crabs trying to snap at him. This is especially meaningful for me if you know about my saga with the crabs in my yard. There's, I had very large crabs in my yard some time ago in Mexico. But anyway, I, I felt like Sabonis... Although I was, you know, I was more effective dealing with the crabs and putting them in buckets and then carrying them out and letting them off towards the beach, etc. than he was dealing with the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors, they did a hell of a job. Sabonis felt like he couldn't do anything. Travels, turnovers, passing out. And here's the thing, that above the break pass out, that was the only one available to him. Okay, so he passes out above the break. What do the Raptors do now? Malcolm Brogdon, for example did a pretty good job of attacking the Raptors when they were trying to rotate back into their spots. Yes, but it wasn't always Brogdon, and Brogdon couldn't win 100% of those matchups. So the Raptors, very effectively, just getting resets after Sabonis won deep post position, he has to pass out. Time's off the clock, less seconds on the shot clock, and a defense that's still set, still engaged, and still pressing up on the ball. 
That was something they maintained the whole game. I That is very, very difficult to do. And against a passer and a scorer of Sabonis' level in the post, that is something that deserves the utmost attention as far as I'm concerned. Now, of course, it's super fun to see Scotty Barnes working guys, you know, with a live dribble, looking his teammates into passing lanes, getting them looks at the bucket, you know, and getting his own looks at the bucket. There's quite a few bank shots he made that you look and you say, wow, that's reminiscent of Pascal Siakam, a guy who's getting into advantageous spots near the rim, using his length to finish over guys and around them, particularly with Sabonis, and not to be too hard on the guy, but on the other end, Scotty Barnes finished over him a couple times. He's smaller but he's long and he has an insatiable taste for the bucket. And this is also something I noticed that Scotty Barnes, after, you know, anybody who's watched the Raptors this year knows that Scotty Barnes has a hook shot that he likes to go to and a push shot. He'll do both of those. And what I've started to notice is that immediately after putting the ball up, refs watch the ball too. And we can see Scotty if we don't watch the ball we can see him push his defender on the back to create a runway for himself to the ball in case he misses. And this is something that's been repeated and resulted in a basket, I think five or six times this year at this point. Just little, dare I say, Lowry-esque margins that he's winning, right? You got you. That's the Lowry ethos. Win wherever you can and it'll add up to something big and then try and win the big stuff too. Scotty Barnes continues to win small things, and that is as great an honor you can pay to the greatest Raptor of all time as anything, right? Go and win at the small stuff. That's a small thing he's doing, and he did it to Sabonis in this one, and Sabonis is a big boy, and Scotty went up with the push shot, missed it, gave him that little shove, grabbed the board, put it back up. It was a bucket. Love to see guys succeed in those small, significant though, significant, small and significant ways. So, Good for you, Scotty. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. both deserve a ton of love for the way they pressured the ball on the guards, Duarte and Brogdon, uh, Justin Holiday. All these guys, when they were on ball, felt a tremendous amount of pressure. And they did this while also not giving up a ton on the back end as far as driving lanes and stuff like that. It's a very fine line to walk as an on-ball guy to pressure to really, really pressure a guy, but not to give up anything. You know what I mean? Like you chase the ball on, on one side of their body, they can spin back to the other side and leave you in the dust. Just knowing and watching for how the offensive player is controlling their own weight, their own burst, and accounting for that while still giving them hell on ball. All very impressive, particularly Fred, of course, because Fred is one of the best at it. But Gary Trent Jr., just a fantastic job defensively in this game, even if he was very poor as far as his shot making went offensively, which that's why he gets paid initially, right? Like that's why he got the contract because he hits shots, not really with the Raptors last year. I mean, he was under 40% from the field and I think about 35% from three, but he has a track record and enough, you know, hoist at the rim over his lifetime that they said, this is a guy we can see hitting shots. But the thing he's done this season to flip the script and to make sure that he's still, I would say, very valuable at the, on the floor through five games, is he's brought it defensively in a capacity that he really hasn't uh, hasn't before in his career. And so while he's shooting like 36% from the field, 
and like 35% from three on the season so far, he's still managing to bring something. And that's what defense can do for a guy. So really cool to see him bring it on that end. And Fred, just a fantastic game. It's, it's a pleasure to watch him work and to figure things out. And, you know, four offensive rebounds. He was running around, not like a chicken with his head cut off, but with a chicken, a high-functioning chicken with his head very much intact, I would say, among other chickens. There's a sense of control and pace he played with that was just awesome to see. Really, really fun. And and this is the thing, right, is early on in those games where it was just Fred running at the rim and throwing stuff up, that's tough to watch. But when there's a little bit of process to create an advantageous pick and roll for the Raptors that Fred can actually work in, and these are the things that get him closer to you know, an average to mediocre pick and roll ball handler instead of one of the worst in the league, right? This is what gets him in the, the 38th to the 54th percentile or something like that is OG Ananobi comes out of a pin down, takes his defender with him. It's just precious. It's just Fred. They have an empty side pick and roll. One of the easiest, most adv- advantageous things to take advantage of in basketball. And he gets a layup. Little things like that, finding advantages for himself to score and all the while doing a fantastic job of helping supply teammates and providing spacing off ball. But but in this game, I mean, Fred just is six of seven from downtown, 10 of 18 from the floor, hit hit a couple mid-range shots that were just awe-inducing, right? Like he's these huge moon rainbow shots where the ball is going <laughs> when it lands, blowing things up. He's just, it was a real pleasure to watch him in this one. And yeah, the the doubles, the dig downs on Sabonis, man, Fred, I, oof, I said crabs earlier, but he is the king crab. You know what I mean? When he comes in there, those heavy hands, those claws, they're mighty menacing. It's not something you want to deal with. Not around your feet if you're the person and the crab comp and uh, not around the ball or your hands if you're Sabonis, for example, in this one. And yeah, Fred... A masterclass defensively, I think, in this game. There's a there's a reason he was a plus 20. There's a reason he had the highest. And then, yeah, OG Ananobi, as I talked about before, just did a fantastic job of applying pressure on the Pacers as the offensive focal point. The Pacers, the makeup of their roster means that they don't have a good option to defend OG Ananobi. It's for this reason that OG had 30 points against them last year, and they tried to stick Sabonis on him. And as I've talked about, as I've written about for years now, actually, is OG is comfortable taking even the best big men who, as far as defending out above the break, he's comfortable taking them off the dribble, has been for a while. The Pacers recognized that. They didn't want to put Sabonis on him, so they had to go with a slew of undersized wings relative to OG. Big body Johnson, he took care of him, took him in the post, and his control, his passing, and his pacing, and his touch at the rim, quite frankly, all fantastic. Not to mention, I mean, 4 of 10 from downtown, did a good job spacing out. Love, love, love to see it. And Precious deserves quite a bit of love as well, uh, defensively in particular, for not getting baited into Sabonis' foul trapping stuff. And while the NBA has been much harsher on players trying to draw fouls this year, like, free throws are way down currently. I think that on average, there's less than 20 free throws being taken a game, genuinely, uh, league-wide. So that's that's way down. And scoring is also down, too. So this is a bit of a change. 
uh, considering the Raptors' length and sometimes overzealousness, probably a beneficial change in, you know, in their favor, I would say. But uh, yeah, Precious, really good job standing up Sabonis for enough time and using those arms to stay and remain a deterrent for those passing lanes, working in concert with the guys who are coming over to double. And yeah, using his body, being a deterrent. Hell yeah, Precious. A little bit underwhelming offensively, but he's, you know, offensively, he's a work in progress, obviously. His handle is advanced relative to the position he plays and somewhat relative to his size. So there's intriguing stuff there. But right now, it's currently not anything more than intriguing. It's there is, he isn't doing big man stuff offensively as much as a person might like. But defensively in this one, he played his part perfectly, I think. And he'll continue to be a work in progress on offense. That's something that we'll see going forward. Uh, Kim, yeah, man, moves well defensively, did his thing in this one. No complaints on that end. Offensively, he had a tough game trying to corral passes and keep his hand on the ball. Them's the breaks, you know. That's kind of how things shake out sometimes. Delano Banton, though, probably the most intriguing guy to talk about off the bench in this game. Just push, 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 push. Pedal to the metal. He gets the ball. It's a throw-ahead dribble. It's another throw-ahead dribble. He's trying to get up the court in the most expedient, quickest way possible, and he wants to create something. And in this game, he did with regularity on the defensive and the offensive end. It was fantastic to see, you know, he's making these awesome passes. Like, oh man, he had a hell of a pass. It ended up as a turnover. And if you feel so inclined, you can, by the time you hear this podcast, I'll probably have put it on Twitter so you can just go check my Twitter. But it wouldn't have been highlighted as remarkable because it ended up as a turnover. But I'll put it on Twitter. And this read, Scotty Barnes made an excellent cut and Delano Banton looked past like, three defenders and even one of his own guys to try and thread the needle there. And that I really like brave passing reads. It's it's part of why I'm a little bit low on Fred Van Vliet because he's he's making a lot of rudimentary reads all the time. But you know, Banton, he he likes to go for it. And in this case he really did. And so the 10 points, one board, three assists, you know, four of seven from the field. He hit two threes. It was just like a, a hell of an experience. And he's also, you know, as you know, he's my grandma's favorite player and my grandma knows ball. So you have to you have to respect Banton as my grandma's favorite player. Something something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, Boucher, I think a better defensive stint probably than he's had all year was really happy with that. And, uh, you know, what what else can you say about Boucher? Everybody knows what he's going to bring offensively. He was he was active on that end. He's trying to creep his way into advantageous positions as an offensive rebounder, and he's trying to present himself as a attacking roller. But defensively, I really like this movement. I, there wasn't even a rotation that I felt like I was disappointed with, so that was cool to see. And uh, Svi Mikhailuk, I he had a, an absolute bonehead play after he had a, he had an awesome steal in the backcourt, which TJ McConnell, by the way, on the Pacers, just because of when they started measuring backcourt steals, I think he's the NBA's leader in backcourt steals. Now, that's probably not actually accurate because they they just weren't recording them prior to like 2008 or something. But Steve Mihailuk comes in, plays TJ McConnell, and got two backcourt steals in this game. But after one of them, he just dribbled straight to the three-point line and tried to gun, and he hit the side of the backboard. 
<laughs> like, man, you, yeah, like too much, too much dip on your chip, perhaps, Svi. But honestly, you know, he had a really nice triple, um, found himself in space, relocating, you know, above the break of the three point line. And then also, like, two steals, um, got out on the break in transition, helped provide the Raptors with a little bit of offensive punch where he could. And so that was awesome to see. But the Raptors, I think, as a whole, come together to play an extremely fun brand of basketball. This was a hell of a game. Uh, I, I hope everyone is absolutely smitten with this Raptors squad because there are such clear limitations. But watching them try and fight past those limitations and into a new era. Really fun. There's a lot of really, really encouraging and likable guys on this team. So it's uh, it's fantastic. The top quick action comment from Diggs, quote, all season long, I've been saying that Banton belongs in the G League for a year. I can't justify that take anymore. Delano Banton has shown great skills in pretty much every aspect of the game. Very impressive. And I don't think he'll be going anywhere, end quote. Yeah, it's, what do you do when a guy comes in and very obviously plays as one of the players who deserves to be in your rotation. Even if you have designs for allowing him to develop other skills, particularly like micro skills that you want to get better at the G League level with a ton of reps rather than at the NBA level. But if he's already playing at an NBA level, which he has through five games, what are you, what, what are you to do in that case, right? What is a person to do? I, I suspect it will become more clear when Pascal comes back, and particularly Yuta Watanabe, because I would clear, well, Pascal's better than Banton, yes. I also think that Watanabe is as well. That's where things probably get a little bit more, you look at Banton and say, okay, this guy's going down to the G League now. But hey, I'm sure he's accepted that. They probably had those conversations before he even got drafted. And, you know, even if even if they didn't before he got drafted, Certainly between summer league, preseason, training camp, all that stuff, they probably let him know there's a distinct possibility this you could be headed down to the 905. And I'm sure he signed off on it. I'm sure he just wants to get better. And whatever designs or plans they have for him, I uh, I look forward to his progression. But yeah, when Utah and you know Pascal come back, it, it gets a little hairier, uh, to say the least. But uh, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying his game because he's... He's having a hell of a season so far, particularly relative to where he got drafted, right? So that's uh, that's just awesome to see. The uh, the Reggie Evans Award. I'm giving to OG Ananobi the five steals. <laughs> he He's such a savant defensively. The way he moves, his natural gifts, it's he is a joy to watch on the defensive end. It just doesn't seem like a wasted motion. Plus, he just seems so active. You know what I mean? Like Gary Trent Jr., you watch him. And Gary Trent also had five steals in this game for the record. And Gary Trent looks incredibly active and sometimes can put himself in difficult positions because of that activity. Like, you know, towards the end of the last game against the Bulls, he chased a steal. He went for the home run play and it ended up giving the Bulls like a straight line drive to the bucket. Sometimes that happens. But OG is one of those rare players who is capable of hitting home runs all the time, but just never strikes out. You know what I mean? Like he's he's like a Juan Soto, <laughs> like that type of or Ted Williams, right? Like all these these incredible walk to to strikeout ratio players who also hit for power. Like OG Ananobi defensively, he'll just never give anything up, 
but he'll continue to take. And that is one of the most dangerous and incredible types of defenders that can ever play in the NBA. And he he continues to do it every night, even as over these last three games, he's given he's been giving you like 23 points per and eight assists over the last two. Just a hell of a player, right? Like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he so good at basketball? Who do you think you are, huh? Acting so tough. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, OG Ananobi, Reggie Evans Award winner. But, you know, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the game, most of all. And if you didn't, I hope that this sufficed as a recap, a reaction of sorts, of course. So thank you for tuning in, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.